Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Recent violence on Toronto Transit has sparked fears among riders and pushed police and city officials to act to address the problem. But some are wondering whether the measures will actually improve safety or deal with underlying issues. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Adrian Humphreys joins the show to discuss how severe the violence has been, whether riders feel the measures taken are enough, and if it's an indication that Toronto is facing a spike in violent crime. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Adrian, like many cities, Toronto's transit system was hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic with many people switching to remote work. What happened with the TTC in the last couple of years and and has the system rebounded at all? Well, Toronto's buses and subways have been both like infuriating and amazing at the same time for years, but the panic really gave it a hard crack in the ribs. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, it's like work from home, lockdown, social distancing, fear of crowds, uh, mental stresses. I mean, it's decimated ridership. And what we sort of found and are finding now that other social problems sort of spilled in to fill the void. And people were using buses as shelters and subway stations as warming centers. And now things are reopened. Ridership remains down. And many people have noticed and are really feeling a very different vibe of what's around them. So it's been a pretty hard time for the country's biggest urban transit system. Uh, and then it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in talking about it getting worse in the last several months, we've seen incidences of violence on the TTC, these very public attacks. Like, what kind of violence are we talking about? Are we talking about assaults? Are we talking about robberies? Are we talking even even worse? Are we talking about, about murders? Well, we're talking about the scariest kind, random, unprovoked stranger attacks. Okay, they're very terrifying incidents. I mean, you know, no one, no matter how they view the uh, the issue, can avoid the fact that these are horrifying events. A woman died after being set on fire on a bus. Uh, another woman was stabbed to death. A man was shot outside a station dead. Uh, a few, I think. People have been pushed onto the tracks. Uh, passengers, staff, they've been stabbed, slashed, punched, chased with a syringe, threatened. Uh, drivers swarmed by teens, passengers swarmed by teens. There was a child abduction. There's muggings, purse snatchings. I mean, the list goes on um, from the from the fatal to to the dangerous to annoying. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can I can imagine this has sparked fears among riders. What are what are residents and users of the transit system in Toronto saying about what's been going on these last few months? 
it has been undeniably causing a lot of anxiety. There's fear, there's caution, there's a lot of dark jokes. We're hearing a lot about, you know, Toronto 2023 becoming New York City 1983, uh, Toronto becoming Gotham City, where's our Batman, etc. A lot of writers follow the news of every attack. And of course, now we hear about every incident. Many of them are documented from multiple angles on social media. Um, they're always making headlines now. And often the headlines are prefixed with the word another, you know, another subway attack, another stabbing, another bus driver swarmed, an you know, another fatal attack, another person pushed onto the tracks. Riders have definitely noticed it all. And that also then contributes to a cycle of fear. Now, I've spoke to a lot of people about this from, you know, the subway musicians, the buskers to, to, to TTC employees, the transit employees, to a lot of riders, people that don't want to ride and people that still ride. And they've, most of them have told me pretty much the same thing, that for decades, they, they, you know, they've always seen evidence of, you know, homelessness, addiction, mental health crises, but now it hits them differently. It used to just be, oh, that's sad, or that's annoying. Um, and now they look at it as after hearing all these random stranger attacks, many of them seemingly unprovoked, which people associate with some sort of mental crisis or, 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 or addiction problem. And now, so they see these incidents, which they would ignore before, but now it causes fear or concern. Um, it's a possible marker of, a, of a potential violence. The, you know, they might become the next headline. They might become the next another. And so you see it when you're on a subway. If someone near you is sort of, you know, sounding off, talking to themselves, muttering, you know, looks like an odd duck, people now eye each other around them looking for support or sort of a silent communication, assessing danger or seeking backup or, or maybe just making a quiet joke, uh, rolling their eyes or whatever, but you, you see it uh, fairly frequently. Some people get up and move. So I've, I've heard from people of all social demographics um, complain about this. Guys that no longer wear their earbuds, they're no longer listening to their podcasts on transit because they feel they need to be more alert of their surroundings. And that it's, it's not a great feeling. Yeah, I can imagine it's a system that people want to rely on and be feel safe on. And, and the idea that there are these attacks that have happened can definitely make the whole system feel unsafe. And I'm I'm curious, you know, I know that officials, police and city officials have, have made announcements recently about trying to address some of these issues, but was it an immediate thing? Do, was there a sense that the city was doing something about it right away? Or, or do people feel like city and police have been kind of lacking in, in terms of a response? It really depends on the time frame you look at. Um, by Toronto's standards, action came very quick. Few things motivate public officials more than widely held sense of public fear. And, and then at a personal level, they also follow up that with a sense of public's feeling of political failure. So these incidents started to trickle and, and seem to be trending upwards as 2022 ended, and it continued to tick through into 2023. And so they acted pretty quickly to do something. They needed to be seen. They wanted something to be visible and immediate to, to stop the panic and to stop the slide. Because, you know, a decrease in ridership just makes the problems worse. 
So they called a large press conference, Toronto's three-term mayor, John Tory. He was there with the police chief, the deputy Toronto police chief, the bosses of the TTC. They all gathered to say, we're throwing money at this problem. We're paying off-duty cops overtime wages to patrol the Toronto transit properties in high visibility patrols. We're adding more cameras. We're hiring more transit security. We're making managers more visible on the platforms. Uh, and I want to assure the city, they all said, the people of Toronto, that this is a safe city. And, and, and that seemed uh, to be their immediate solution to calm fears, perhaps more than to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And do people who use the system feel that these additional police will help, will, will create a sense of safety, or is it just kind of window dressing in their, in their view? Well, it absolutely creates a sense of security. Um, people I've talked to all, all said a sort of qualified yes. Everyone seemed to be happy to see more cops out and about on their commute. Uh, if there's a cop on your subway platform or a cop on your bus or, you know, at the, ter you know, the terminal or at the bus stop, it makes them feel safer. And while that cop's there, they, I, I bet undeniably they are safer. You know, few people are going to purposely commit a crime when they see a cop <laughs> yeah. standing right there. But I think there's also this understanding that it's short term and a very small solution. Um, it's likely just displacing crime. Uh, pushing it to another location. If they're not going to do anything on that subway stop, maybe they'll do it at the next. Or if they're not going to do it now, maybe they'll do it later. Uh, maybe it won't be in the subway at all. It isn't really solving much of the root problems that many people see as causing the problem. If it's not happening on the transit system, maybe then it's happening in the streets. Is that better? Well, from an economic perspective, perhaps it's not decimating the very crucial public transit system, but is it really better for the citizens? And that, that's sort of still an open question. The, the one criminologist I spoke to nicely worded it, she said it's crime control theater. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. That's a, that's a piece of it that, I, that I'm curious about. And, you know, I think it kind of dovetails with this idea of, of safety as a whole. And these incidents of violence are, are certainly alarming, but are they an indicator that the crime is on the rise? Like is, has crime been going up in Toronto the last few years or, or is this kind of maybe a one-off a sign that there's maybe a system under strain, but not a reflection of the crime rate overall in Toronto? That, that's much open to debate. Um, we never know for sure, of course, until afterwards, right? Statistics look backwards. 
So, you know, sometime, maybe this time next year, we'll have a better sense of whether the panic was justified or whether it was just another one of these urban myth panics. But we don't know right now. And so people rightfully understand that they can't really take comfort in the, in, in the very real facts, what we do know from statistics, and that's that the long-term pattern of crime in, over recent decades has been a downward one. And that's across Canada, across Ontario, and across in Toronto. Reported crime has been falling. And in fact, despite the perceptions people may have both in Toronto and outside of Toronto, Toronto generally has had a lower crime rate than both Canada as a whole and Ontario as a whole. And that holds for both violent crime and nonviolent crime. So, I mean, from the sense of that perspective, when this, the chief of police says, I want to remind people that Toronto is a safe city, you know, he, he's, he's kind of right. But there are rises and falls over time. And we won't know whether we are, truly are in a, in a steep rise or if something cataclysmic has happened or is, you know, if the system really truly is broken until after the fact. And, you know, there's also a sense that maybe we're just all more on edge right now. And because, you know, after pandemic restrictions, we're a bit out of practice interacting with strangers. Um, we're, we're seeing more danger than we did before. And once that bandwagon starts rolling, we see patterns and we see patterns in the media and social media. And that frightens us. Maybe we're making more calls to the police or reporting more things to the TTC that we wouldn't have reported otherwise. In fact, at least two instances, a sexual assault and, a, and a, an harassment of teenage girls that the police announced that, that um, you know, earlier in the, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they backtracked and say they've they actually weren't. They were non-criminal incidences. So that's some evidence to say perhaps that there's uh, a greater a greater fear and greater reporting of instances. But you know, we we won't know, and it's pretty hard when you're sitting on a bus and you've just been reading about uh, um, you know some person who's been lit on fire for no reason on another bus, and there's a guy near you that uh, is 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 talking to God. Uh, or himself or somebody else who's not there, it's pretty hard to take a lot of solace in a statistic. Yeah. I, I mean, you mentioned this earlier that, you know, once ridership kind of plummeted and, and you know, we were dealing with social distancing and and perhaps there may, may have been people who were on the fringes who may not have been looking to go f- cram themselves in a crowded shelter, who may have been taking shelter in places like the transit system and, you know, along with along with that comes, you know, people who are dealing with mental health troubles or, or drug addiction. I mean, are we talking about a, a transit problem or is this a citywide problem? And, and what are people suggesting is behind it? Are we seeing supports that used to be in place, not in place anymore? Are we seeing people who have been kind of pushed out of the, the social support system who may not necessarily pose a safety issue, but pose perhaps a comfort issue for people who may make people feel unsafe because the public doesn't understand the issues that they're dealing with that kind of wind up in the transit system. That's probably a lot of it. A lot of people I talk to sort of feel that 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 it's it's the outside coming in that's the problem. So from my perspective, the only thing special about subways and buses as crime incubators is their role as conduits. You know, there's nothing fundamental uh, about sparking uh, things other than the fact that they shove lots of people close together. 
often that's people that haven't or, or wouldn't otherwise be close together. Uh, especially in Toronto, uh, it doesn't quite um, hold for for a lot of uh, uh, cities in Canada. But tr- Toronto subways really are uh, a great leveler. You really do see fairly well-off, affluent people uh, riding along with um, the you know the, the un- homeless and the and the problem and the poorest. It, it, it's not transit for the poor or p- transit for people who can't afford cars. I mean, tr- Toronto is so hard to get around with, and the traffic is so bad all walks of life are crammed onto these subway cars and they can get extremely crowded, you know, in rush hour. So they're, they're an intersection. And so if there are more problems in subway and buses, it, it seems likely that it's because there are more problems for the people coming into the subways and onto the buses. So there's a very strong feeling amongst those that I've been talking to that the problems start outside of the transit system and they stem from long-standing unaddressed problems. Now, which of those problems is most at root is sort of seems to be more open to debate. And that's when you sort of fall into the pattern of, of, of what you see as the social ills um, when you get to sort of more ideological answers. But they, everyone seems to be uh, fairly in tune with the idea that what we're seeing in the transit system is a, is a reflection of what is happening outside in society. Mm-hmm. And and. If that's the case, if we're talking about some broader problems here, what are the solutions that, that people are suggesting? Or are there solutions? You know, is it is it a matter of city putting me more resources into policing or into housing? Is it an issue that the province needs to step in and address when it comes to social supports for for people who may be dealing with severe mental health issues? Like what what are the situation that that people are suggesting need to be addressed and how do we address it? It's interesting. I I, I spoke to um well, a number of people, but two two particularly striking people I spoke to when I was researching this. One was um, a, a very um, acclaimed criminologist who who has spent years studying crime statistics and crime theories, and and another was um, the godfather of Toronto subway buskers. He's a celloist who's been playing cello in the subway system for twenty five years full time, except during the pandemic. And they both said to me almost the same thing. And that's that you can't ignore problems for 10 years and then sort of expect to solve them in a week with that, with a police patrol. So there are concerns over homelessness and shortfalls in social housing. That, 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 you know, that's very well documented in Toronto and many cities. There's an opioid crisis, uh, an addictions problem. Um, there are increases in mental health, strains on our health care. Uh, Toronto police have documented... And mental health apprehensions year after year increases since about 2014. And I, I think the climb is getting steeper. There are concerns over the criminal justice system. You know, is it too lenient? Our bail system. Uh, are we letting too many people out to be, you know, repeat offenders? Uh, that was a, a big concern out in Vancouver. I know particularly with the repeat offenders being the ones that are often behind a lot of the, the public random violence. So there are all of these very deep policy concerns uh, that are likely driving our current conundrum. And none of them are easy, cheap, and quick fixes. Uh, the criminologist was documenting to me how um, she was saying, like, politicians have a hard time addressing these because you're not going to see the results of them within their election cycle. They t- might take 5, 10, 15 years to really have an impact. And so they're not going to get reelected saying, well, I've increased the um, uh, funding for 
homelessness that in 10 years you'll really see an improvement to the streets and the safety or, or your comfort in the subway. But, but if they do sit there and say, I spent, I immediately put 80 new police officers onto our buses and subways. Uh, I changed this law. I enacted, uh, you know, installed X number of cameras. That's something they can immediately point to, to, uh, to a worried and frightened population to say that they're the solution and the answer to their problems. And maybe that's likely going to help. Maybe it isn't. And maybe there are bigger problems, more expensive problems, and harder problems for people to swallow because they may want their subway ride to be safe and convenient, but they probably don't want to spend a lot of money on homeless shelters, mental health, and health care boosts as well. So this is the, the fundamental debates we're having about almost everything in society right now is is really the fundamentally the same debate and dispute and arguments and problems that we need to solve to to, to fix our transit as well. Mm-hmm. And you know we'll see how the the short term measures play out and whether long term solutions are needed. Adrian, thanks for your time. Thank you, Dave, for your interest. Ten three is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Adrian Humphreys. More from him at NationalPost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.